This was the week that the tabloids were reporting on a stray dog who tried to steal the same unicorn stuffed toy from a shop in America five times. An animal control officer was called who bought the toy from the shop and took the pair to a rescue shelter. After all the publicity surrounding the case, the dog called Sizu has now been adopted along with his unicorn friend and he's moved into his forever home. Bless him. And this is Boggle Dogs. Hello and welcome to your fun and happy place. Uh, we're that feeling that you get when the brilliant sun warms your face after what seems like an age and you sense that things are slowly getting a bit better. We're here to keep you going during these difficult times as we take a more human approach to the medical world and learn something along the way. Boggle Docs is the podcast for GPs and other primary care professionals that's accessible to everyone. It takes the pulse of the nation by looking to the medical media and uses that information as a springboard to help you target your CPD. And all of this is aimed at giving us the heads up so that we might have an inkling of what might be on our patients' problem lists so that we know what we need to know. Please follow and rate this podcast because apparently that's really important for all the algorithms in the world of podcasting. And this week I'm joined by Catherine McLennigan. Hi Catherine, how are you? Hi Nick, I'm very well, thank you. Excellent, well thank you for being here. And what kind of a week are you having at the moment? I'm having a pretty good week. I've got a, a week off work this week, uh, so that's been quite nice. Mm-hmm. been sort of uh, been living my lockdown life this week trying to work out how to, how to keep it exciting but uh <laughs> yeah today what we've we've had a joe wicks and uh making a banana bread which i think is quite classically lockdown behavior so <laughs> in years to come they're going to look back and that was proper classic lockdown yeah. behavior <laughs> it should be a time capsule be, well the banana bread would have gone off by then but yeah that's the way to do lockdown isn't it um, and what are you doing for the rest of the week anything exciting planned uh, I've got. Oh, it's my birthday tomorrow, Nick. Actually, uh, happy birthday! Thank you very much. So that's quite exciting. And I don't. I don't quite know. I think we might have a, a bit of a Zoom family games night uh, around that at some point. So that should be quite nice. Cool. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a, a fantastic week, and it's it's really good to have a bit of brain space, isn't it, when you have a bit of time away? Yeah, definitely. I think it sort of just yeah allows you a little bit more time to do that other stuff. You know, read a book that's not medical. All those kind of things. Yes, <laughs> things I, I just had some time off, and, and I I did reading for fun, which was a really nice thing to be able to do. Uh, so, so thank you for being here. I just wonder if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself a bit more for people that maybe don't know you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me, Nick. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a GP. I work as a salary GP in East London. Uh, I also do a bit of teaching for King's College and um, present for Red Whale as well, which is how you and I know one another. That is exactly how we found each other. So yeah, and it's it's great fun working with you. So thank you for coming on the podcast as well. Um, so and And you've actually recommended what we're going to be talking about today, which is brilliant. Um, and so what we're going to do is in a bit, we're going to talk about the news headlines. And then we're going to come back and talk about um, a documentary that is on Curzon, um, which is one of the streaming platforms. And um, it's called The Ponds, Still Waters Run Deep. And it's a documentary charting the lives and the interactions of, a, of basically the group of people that go swimming, lots of them every day in the open waters, in the ponds of Hampstead Heath. Um, which is just amazing. And it's a very uplifting, very joyful um, documentary to watch. So thanks for the recommendation. 
Um, and so, yeah, we're going to be talking about that when we come back. But first of all, let's look at this week in the news headlines. We start with the Telegraph. Headaches can be zapped away with the device now available on the NHS. Um, it says here that thousands of people who suffer from debilitating cluster headaches are set to benefit from the Gamma Core, which delivers a low-level electric current to the neck area to block pain signals. And um, the portable gadget, which has been rolled out by the health service, can be used to prevent the headaches beginning in the first place if a patient feels one coming on, or quickly stop them in their tracks if they have already started. Um, Stephen Powis, NHS medical director, said that while they may be small, these devices will make a huge difference to people who suffer from these debilitating headaches, um, relieving painful symptoms and allowing people to go about their daily lives as normal. So let's just get a bit more information about that. If you go to the Ouch UK website, which is the charity for cluster headaches, we've got a bit more information. First of all, it's important to say that not all patients will respond to gamma core therapy. Um, and secondly, um, one of the questions in their FAQ section um, says, can gamma core be prescribed by anyone in the NHS? The answer is no, it must be prescribed by a headache specialist. Um, in Scotland, it's only in certain areas. Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland and Wales, it's not available yet on the NHS, whereas it is available in um, England from a specialist. So patients coming to us, we need to refer them on so we can't just prescribe it. So that's something that we need to know about. <laughs> And next up, uh, it's The Sun, and their headline is quite scary reading. Burger kill alert. Eating just one burger or bacon sandwich a week makes a heart attack or stroke 46% more likely. And people who eat 150 grams of processed meat every seven days are 46% more prone to heart attacks and strokes. And they are 51% more likely to die in the next decade than people eating none, as processed meat contains saturated fats that clog arteries. Um, so this is... Uh, basically looking or it's quoting a study from McMaster University in Canada um, which is um, the Hamilton area and it's a global study uh, basically it's information from the diets and the health outcomes of 134,297 people from 21 countries spanning five continents um, and it tracked their data on, on meat consumption and cardiovascular illnesses and they were looking for an association between meat consumption and, and patterns regarding cardiovascular disease and mortality so this is an association and not a causation important to say and the other thing that they found um, was that um, that there was that this was linked to processed meat but not with unprocessed red meat or poultry so that's important um, and we say the best till last um, so this is the express now this really has to be seen to be believed and I will give you the the link in the show notes as with all the other headlines but this one is well worth clicking on just to have a look so the headline from the Express, arthritis, seven early signs of rheumatoid arthritis to spot to prevent disability. And then it says that rheumatoid arthritis often develops in people over the age of 30. The autoimmune condition causes inflammatory joints um, that could fuse together over time, it says here, um, which may lead to disability. Um, then they start quoting, um, this is John Hopkins Medicine, which is a, a medical institution in America. So they're quoting that. Um, and then it says this. Uh, that the most commonly affected um, areas include the hands, fair enough, the feet, the ankles, the nose, spelt K-N-O-W-S, <laughs> 
I have no words. I'm guessing that's the knees. I don't think they mean the nose itself. Um, then it says the shoulders and the elbows. Um, so they, they're all mentioned there as affecting and being affected by this. And then it says several tests will be done to check for the joint disease, such as x-ray. Then it says joint aspiration, nodule biopsy, blood tests, ultrasound or MRI. Now, I thought I was losing the plot there. So I checked with a rheumatology friend of mine, a rheumatology consultant, um, and she told me that she never uses nodule biopsy or aspiration to diagnose rheumatoid arthritis. And as we know, rheumatoid arthritis is diagnosed from history, examination, um, some blood tests and x-rays. And sometimes in secondary care, they might use more advanced imaging such as MRI or ultrasound. So Catherine, has there been a, a new story that's caught your eye this week? There has, yes. Um, so there was an article in The Guardian and um, the title of it was Cold Comfort, How Cold Water Swimming Cured My Broken Heart. Um, oh. And it, it caught my eye. Yeah, definitely. Fascinating. And it caught my eye because it, like, it sort of links in with the Pons film that we'll we'll chat about in a bit. But mm-hmm. this is essentially, so the, the author of the article um, talks about, she's gone through a, a, a painful breakup and um, also the death of her father. And so she retreats to sort of the coast of Brittany in winter, where she starts swimming daily in the sea. And I think wow. prior to this, she wasn't particularly a big sort of cold water swimmer, but, um, you know, just goes to try it out. And then it becomes a routine and something that she starts to do. And and you sort of read in the article as she goes, sort of how this helps her to deal with grief and helps her to deal with her relationship breakup. Um and it's just it's just really nicely written. And there's um there are bits throughout it. So uh, where she's talked to, I think there's a there's a guy called Mike Tipton who's a professor of human and applied uh physiology at the Extreme Environments Laboratory at the University of Portsmouth. And she's a man to know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's had conversations with him about sort of wanting to understand why cold water swimming makes her feel the way it does. And she sort of says to him, like, you know, I feel refreshed and energized by it, but I want to understand the physiology behind that. Um, So he he sort of talks about the fact that when your body goes into cold water, you go into this, you go into shock mode essentially. And so it's sort of a fight or flight response, and you get that sort of rapid breathing and that fast heart rate um and she sort of says i told him my skin goes numb and my chest feels like a radiator and my head fizzes with light um and he sort of talks about it from the point of view of looking at well your body's going through this stress response and so it's releasing all these stress hormones you've got adrenaline you've got cortisol uh, and that sort of contributes to making you feel this kind of this alive and and buzzing sort of feeling that i think a lot of cold water swimmers talk about this sort of feeling really rejuvenated. Absolutely. And what's really interesting, it feels that this topic has come up time and again since I started the podcast. And we did an episode uh, a few months ago with Charlotte Hart, and she was talking about My Octopus Teacher, which is on Netflix. And that was about a guy who had burnt out and he he befriended an octopus, as you do. <laughs> it's the most amazing documentary. I can't recommend it highly enough. But part of that was that he was cold water swimming out in the ocean without a wetsuit. Um, I remember Charlotte saying he was wearing nothing, but actually he was wearing something. <laughs> he, didn't, he had swimming trunks on, we should point out. Um, and, um, but he was saying about this, this whole thing, about this, this feeling kind of in the moment. Um, and it, I think this, this is something that the, there's definitely something in this because it, it certainly helps not just with your mental health, which is lots of people talk about, um, but there is research about it helping 
with things like dementia as well or or preventing it or staving it off or you know that's what they're looking at at the moment um and maybe we can talk about that a bit later on um but but this is something that's really grabbed my attention over the months because it does keep coming back so so i'm really excited to be talking about what we're going to talk about next which is um the documentary the ponds still waters run deep which is on Curzon. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to go off and um, have a look at what's been going on in daytime TV over the last week. And then we're going to come back and talk about that, if that's okay with you. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. So let's um, find out what's been going on in the last week in daytime TV. And on Monday, former England rugby player Dan Scarborough was on BBC Morning Live talking about his recently diagnosed early onset dementia, all caused, he and his doctors believe, by the blows to his head that he sustained during his rugby career. I'll post a link to that video in the show notes where he's talking about the impact his diagnosis has had on him and his family. On Tuesday, Lenny Henry was on BBC Breakfast to talk about how he's leading a star-studded campaign urging people from black communities to get the COVID vaccine. He said that we don't want anybody else to die and there's a disproportionate amount of black people dying of coronavirus. He said if there's a way out and the vaccine is our way out, then we want our loved ones and our friends and families to take it up. Also on Tuesday, TV presenter Julia Bradbury was on BBC Morning Live talking about endometriosis um, and she covered the symptoms and signs and also the impact that it's had on her mental health, causing depression. And I'll post a link to that video in the show notes as well. And on Wednesday, Ash Kotak from campaign group AIDS AIDS Memory UK was on BBC Breakfast talking about why it was important to have a national memorial to remember those who have died from the virus. He said it was about the continued fight against stigma and he said that stigma stops people from accessing medication. Also on Wednesday, Dr Rupi from the Doctor's Kitchen podcast, um, the man who kept boggle dogs off the number one spot in the Apple Podcast GP Medicine podcast chart recently. We're not bitter. Uh, He was on BBC Morning Live explaining his mission to get us all eating more fruit and veg um, with his 3-2-1 method. And I'll post a link to the video for that in the show notes. And finally, on Thursday, Dr. Tijan Aisho was on BBC Morning Live to go through the five main things to do immediately when treating a thermal burn. And I'll put a a link to the video for that in the show notes as well. And that's your week in daytime TV. So now it's time for the main part of the show. And um, what we're going to do, Catherine's back with me and we're going to be talking about a documentary on Curzon, which is uh, The Ponds. Now, The Ponds at Hampstead Heath have been popular swimming spots since the 1700s after people took to the water for its iron-rich qualities. And these days, the three ponds are packed throughout the summer. But there is also a hardcore of fanatics, some people might say, who take to the water through, um, throughout its coldest days. Now, swimmers from both the men's and ladies' ponds share their reverence for the powers of the cold water and regular swims on Christmas Eve um, and New Year's Day bring everybody together and the fun of it is clearly addictive. Um, and there seems to be groups of people that, that get a lot out of it from socially meeting up, but also from the actual jumping into the water itself. So, Catherine, what did you, when you saw this documentary, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I thought it was a really powerful documentary. I really enjoyed watching it. It's quite I sort did of too. beautifully made. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's, I, I listened to one of the, in fact, one of the filmmakers, I think, did a little interview at, at one point, And I think he said that the film is a love letter to the ponds and just sort of trying to capture the beauty of the ponds, but also the spirit of the community that go there. And I thought the film did that really well. Um, and they, like, you know, the film itself follows a number of different characters who, you know, swim at the ponds daily. And I think it, it follows them over the course of a year. So you see them cracking the ice and jumping in in winter, but, but also sort of through the summer as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so t- and I think two words that you said in all of that were, I mean, the, the community really comes through and the characters, because there's some real characters in there. And, and, you know, so many of these people that we're watching, I could quite happily have a coffee with and have a chat with because they've got, they've got such stories to tell, haven't they? And, and that really kind of comes through, doesn't it, in the film? It does. Yeah, yeah, it does, definitely. I, in fact, I jotted down a couple of the characters that I particularly liked. There was there was a guy called Chris, I think, in the film, who, who's 72 at the time the film was made, and he's been swimming there since he was 10. So he used to go, go with his boxing club and... He's just kept going daily ever since. And he talked about the life boys. So it's sort of the it, you know, the men's ponds, the boys that have been going pretty much every day their whole lives. And um, and I, I just thought that was really nice. He said the oldest member at their club at that point was 92 or 93. And I just That's thought, if I can be doing that at 92, 93, I'm very happy. <laughs> I would be very happy. And But what struck me was that there were quite a few sort of older people that were going swimming every day. And, and as I was watching it, I was thinking there must be something in this because you don't often see many activities that has a whole cross section of the age group. So they must be getting some kind of benefit from it. Yeah, definitely. I, I like to think so. I have to say it did alarm me a little bit when, you know, so, some people were just jumping straight into that icy cold water. And I thought, oh, blimey, obviously it doesn't come without its risks. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, we should probably say yes. Don't just jump in if you have yeah. any concerns about your health. <laughs> that could not end well sometimes. Uh, and yeah, and it, but it was interesting to watch different people get in and out because I think I would have to jump in. There would be a big scream, I'm sure, as yeah. I jumped in. But there was um, an, a, a lady that, that went in, um, and she kind of in the middle of winter was just stepping down the steps and I would be like, Whoa, you know, one step in, one step out. I'd be, a, it'd be a disaster. She was so matter of fact, wasn't she? She's just like, I get my feet in and then it's one, two, three and away. And it's like, no, that's, that's not how it happens when I try it. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it felt like there was very much a, a no nonsense attitude. And I suppose maybe if, <laughs> if you were amongst that crowd, there's no way you're going to make a big meal about going in because they go in every day and it's, it's not, you know, it's nothing for them, is it? That's true. That's true. You'd have to put on your bravado. <laughs> exactly. And a couple of things that struck me, um, there were a few people that um, were, were talking about, maybe we start with with mental health and about how it had helped them with their mental health. Um, and uh, there was one, um, one, one man on there who said that he, he went swimming the day that his wife died mm. um, and it helped him to, to get over the the grief and to deal with the grief because and it came up time and time again that people were saying that it's very much about living in the moment and because once you jump into that cold water you literally cannot think about anything else and and I thought that was very powerful to see that yeah definitely I completely agree with that and um you know obviously the last year has been tough for everybody and and it's had its stresses and things and actually the one thing that I found has really helped me is that our local reservoir has opened up for swimming which I feel really lucky with in in London um it's it's currently closed in lockdown but it but it was open through the summer so I started going there regularly and it you know I sort of trying to think of all the things that you you know you should do to try and help de-stress and mindfulness and trying trying those kind of exercises I've just always felt I'm never that good at them 
I, so, you know, I sort of sit down to do a mindfulness exercise and I cannot not think about what I'm going to have for dinner and the fact I should do the hoovering. Um, and I can't get myself into that mindful state. And I'm sure, I'm sure I just need to practice, but I feel like cold water swimming is my discovery of a bit of a, you know, a mindfulness hack. It's like a, it's a fast track method to get my mind to just calm down. Um, I think you're lovely. absolutely right because it feels like I think that's actually in a nutshell what's going on here because it is like mindfulness in a in a, in a uh, as a hack because you literally because everything is so cold and your body is just put into shock yeah. you have no option but to just live in the moment and deal with it and and that's definitely what feels to be going on and I I mean I this is going to sound really strange. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> since we did the podcast talking about uh, the how to boost your immune system, um, and we and Abby came on and we had a chat about that, um, and we talked about cold water um, showers and stuff because that's one way they've looked into it, um, and and how you can it's almost like a hack into the whole thing that if you haven't got a cold water sort of swimming pool or cold water reservoir, you can go and jump in. If you can do a 30 second cold shower at the end of your shower, then that's meant to be beneficial too. So I, ever since then, so for the last few months, I've been doing that every day, wow. <laughs> still doing it now, done it today. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I have to say, I feel a bit better. I think, you know, it's, it's certainly helpful. And, and there is this moment at the end when through all the shrieking, <laughs> you have to live in the moment. It's particularly when you turn around and the water, cold water hits the back of your back and you just go, <gasps> Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I I played you earlier actually. I actually can't put it out because it's obscene. But I did record. <laughs> I recorded the sound of me in the cold shower um, a few months ago because people had said to me, "You make a real noise in the cold shower," and I was like, "Oh, I don't." So I recorded it, and oops, I really do. And and it literally sounds like something else is going on, but we can't talk about that. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's brilliant. A little bit X-rated, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, it was just a cold shower. Mortifying. It's um, <laughs> I I heard your podcast about that, Nick. I think with you saying that you were starting to do these cold showers for 30 seconds at the end and I thought well to be a good guest on your podcast I should do my research so this morning for the first time I tried the sort of 30 second cold at the end of my shower and <laughs> it was something else like <laughs> so, so impressed so <laughs> it, I mean it yeah it's sort of um it was quite the shock it was definitely different to plunging into cold water I don't know like some in that sort of feeling I was uh <laughs> hyperventilating few squeals uh felt quite dizzy by the end of it <laughs> but a bit euphoric you're, not it to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> you're still here and that's the most important thing <laughs> do you think you'll do it again i think i might do it again yeah so the so the sort of being super lucky with that reservoir is sadly closed at the moment in lockdown so perhaps this will be my key to to keeping that euphoria going Excellent. I mean, the thing about about why we're talking about this this time is, is your brilliant recommendation. So thank you for that. Um, but it's it's kind of about the fact that we've had some quite serious and quite difficult topics recently on the podcast. So it's actually a bit of breathing space and it's actually doing something nice and something that maybe all of us could try to make ourselves feel better. Um, and there is actually some science behind this as well, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I find the science really fascinating to look at. And I think I think one of the issues about cold water swimming is that a lot of the the sort of science I'm putting that in inverted commas is is thin on the ground and the, and the evidence isn't quite there. There's a lot of anecdotal um you know stories about people feeling better and and I think it's sort of we're just sort of starting to enter the world of research into it really. So I think there'll be lots more to come on this. It's a bit of a watch this space moment. Um but yeah, in in that Guardian article that we talked about earlier, um I think we sort of touched on 
on the hormones that cold water sort of shock provokes. So adrenaline, dopamine, serotonin, the endorphins. Um, and the professor uh, from the University of Portsmouth talks about the fact that we know these hormones affect metabolism and they boost white cell counts. And over time and regular exposure, it's thought to reduce inflammation, which could potentially have positive effects on a number of conditions. Um, but yes, he did sort of also emphasize the fact that that, that research is thin and that, and that it needs looking into more. But people have reported, you, you know, regular swimmers having fewer infections, the fact that they feel it eases sore muscles and arthritic pains. Um, and, you know, also people doing it for mental health reasons, so anxiety and depression. And some people have reported the fact that through regular cold water swimming, they've been able to stop their their antidepressant medication, um, which isn't something that I'd say suggest that we d- we go ahead and do, and you'd want to talk to your GP about it first. But really interesting. Yeah, and yeah, that's the kind of thing that maybe somebody might come to you and say that that's what they've done, and and then you would understand why they've done it. Then that, and then that you can have the conversation about that. But interesting about talking about um, medication and and you know stopping medication, or maybe you know trying to find something that when medication isn't working, because there was a lady in the documentary who described um saying that she had a, a degenerative spine condition that was very debilitating for her and she was in constant pain and she said that when she went swimming when she jumped in the in the water the ice cold water suddenly all of her pain just disappeared and so for the whole time that she was swimming she felt completely normal which was really a massive release for her and then yeah. when she got out and she was buzzing when she came out and you could just see this kind of this glow about her and she said that that feeling would last for about 30 minutes to an hour. And that's the reason why she did it every day. And you can completely understand that, can't you? Really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that does that reminds me as well of the guy who's, who, um, who was blind with a degener- degenerative condition. And he said that when he's in the water, that's the only time he doesn't feel like he's blind. And I think there's just all these yeah, really powerful things that can come from it. Absolutely. Yeah, I wrote that down too, that he said that he didn't feel that he was blind when he was swimming, which was really a really sort of emotive moment. And and I think one of the lifeguards said that he felt that it was the great leveller um, because everybody in the water, you know, no matter who they are, no matter what background they're from, what their can you know physical conditions are they all pretty much look the same when they're swimming so that, i mean that was really interesting i thought as well um and regarding the science side of it um there was an interesting article um the bbc released it back in october and we we covered it back on boggle docs back in the early days and it was talking about um could cold water hold a clue to to dementia cure um and there's a, a group of of people looking into it from um cambridge university and um, they talk about um, sort of cold water shock proteins, which are released when you're exposed to that. Um, did you find that as well? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was um, a BBC article, I think, from October last year. Mm. Um, and I found it completely fascinating. So they, they hi- highlight in it that obviously, you know, as doctors or healthcare professionals, we've known for decades that cooling the cooling can protect the brain in certain certain circumstances if someone's had a traumatic head injury or you know perhaps particular cardiovascular surgeries or whatever if you cool you can protect and 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 save some of the brain but I think the the mechanism behind that we've not quite understood and I think in that article it says about five or six years ago this Cambridge team discovered these cold shock chemicals or these cold shock proteins um, which they've been looking into sort of more. And I think that discovery was based around research uh, looking at mice. So cooling mice, so cooling an ordinary mouse and cooling a, a mouse with Alzheimer's. And then when you rewarmed them, the ordinary mice had this spike in this cold shock 
protein and they were able to, you know, create new synapses and perhaps prevent brain cell death. And the Alzheimer's mice weren't able to do it in quite the same way, didn't have that cold shot protein spike. So I think the professor that was involved in that wanted to recreate the study in humans, but there was obviously the the ethical issue around putting humans through hypothermia and whether that was a safe thing to do or not. And I think she talked about it on a Radio 4 show, actually, and that was then listened to. And one of the um, one of the regular swimmers at Parliament Hill lied out. So again, back at Hampstead Heath, got in touch and said, well, actually, if it's an ethical issue um, about hypothermia, well, we're a bunch of swimmers who swim through winter regularly and we put ourselves into a hypothermic state voluntarily on a regular basis. So why don't you use us as your subject to look into this? And and so they did, and they followed these cold water swimmers over a number of years and realised that actually these cold water swimmers also had a spike in these, this cold shock protein um, as well. And so there was a question around whether that might have benefits to sort of slow the progression of, of neurodegenerative conditions or perhaps even reverse it in some. Um, but yeah, so it's a big question mark. And I think that, they're, you know, hopefully they'll look into it more at some point and uh, get some more information. Absolutely. And this cold shock protein we're talking about is RBM3, apparently. Um, and um, that's that's the key to all of this. Um, and so they're, they're trying to, to see um, how much that goes up in, in humans when they're swimming in cold water. And I guess what they're trying to do is to decide, can they then either boost it from, you know, prove it's boosted from this or can they can they make a drug which would boost it? Um, yeah. Absolutely. So I, and I, I think, yes, it's really, really interesting stuff. And at the end of the article, they did say, obviously, the the risks surrounding hypothermia and cold water swimming outweigh sort of it's, it's too much of a risky thing to, to sort of say this is a good treatment or a good preventative thing to do. But yeah, like you say, Nick, it may perhaps it will help drug development or, or sort of where we go from here. Yeah, so we can't be going prescribing jumps in cold lakes. <laughs> that might not end well, but <laughs> but if people are doing it of their own accord and they're enjoying it, then we can encourage that. I think that's probably a safe way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps start with those 30 second cold showers in the morning. <laughs> yes, exactly. See if they like it or not. Brilliant. Was there anything else that you noticed at all? I think one of the themes that came through in the film for me was that was people, you know, as we've said, it's the ponds seem to provide a coping strategy for people to to cope with what life was throwing at them. And I think quite a lot of people said, if you can face cold water, you can face anything. And it was almost this this resilience boosting thing that they saw it as, um, which I thought was great. And I, and I jotted down a few words that came up a few times through the film as well, Nick. I don't mm-hmm. know whether that's yeah. you know something you'd like to hear but yeah so words like buzz rejuvenation life affirming addictive soothing beautiful clarity um just came up over and over again in the film and that just made me want to go and jump in a body of water <laughs> and, and lots of people saying to- they felt totally present which i think we've we've touched upon um and just watching it because obviously this was filmed before before things changed um and i just found it really really interesting to see that you know just seeing people in close proximity with each other and people hugging and that was you know it makes you realize how much you miss all of that kind of stuff Um, yeah absolutely it's I think that social side of it's really important isn't it I was asking a friend who um she's a clinical psychology trainee down on the south coast and she swims regularly in the sea down there and I was asking her what is it you like about it and I think one of the big words for her was connection she was like I just it allows me to feel connected to myself to nature and to whether it's strangers or friends that you you go with, you just sort of feel this sense of connection, which was really nice. Exactly, and I think what came across in the in the documentary was the fact that that yes, there was the 
the connection and the the benefit from actually jumping in the cold water but it was the community spirit of everybody that went there as well and yeah. that really came through very strongly absolutely um, and yeah and and the the final thing that that really struck me i think it was one of the final things that they said in the documentary um one of the guys that they're interviewing um he said um, if you don't live when you're alive when are you going to do it and i thought that was really you know wow yes that is so true yeah. um so Catherine, thank you so much for joining us and talking about the ponds and um, still waters run deep which is on curzon um and you have a fantastic birthday tomorrow Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Nick. That's a pleasure. And we'd love to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. We'll take care. You too. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. And just to make it absolutely clear, we've been talking about supervised swimming in a recognised club with lifeguards um, and lots of people around um, and also um, 30 second cold showers. We're not suggesting going and jumping in a lake by yourself, anything like that at all. Obviously, the risks of hypothermia are very real um, and we wouldn't be advocating any of that at all. And what we've been actually doing is talking about the the science behind this and just to see if there's anything in it. Um, so we're not telling you to go out there and jump in a lake. But we are telling you that if you head over to the Buzzsprout site, then you can click on all the links that we've been talking about that are in the show notes. And the easiest way to do that is to Google Buzzsprout Boggle Docs. Or if you go over to our social media pages and click on the link in the bio, then um, you will get to that site as well. Um, we are at Boggle Docs on Instagram and Twitter. And the other thing that you can do if you click on the link in the bio is you can leave us a voice message telling us about anything that you've heard or seen and think that we should be covering or even leave us a message about something that you've heard on Boggle Docs. Well, that's just about it from us for this week. Thanks again to Catherine for joining me. Um, so will our patients be asking us to prescribe them a gamma core device for their cluster headache? Maybe, but remember it has to be prescribed by a specialist. Um, could they have seen Julia Bradbury on TV talking about endometriosis and want to talk to us about that? Or are they worried that their mood is being adversely affected by it? Possibly. Um, or might they have um, might be asking us about the health benefits of cold water swimming or cold showers? Um, I think in that case, it would be worth exploring with them and what their underlying health concern is. Are they worried that they might be developing dementia and they want to try and prevent it? Or are they suffering from chronic pain? Or have they got mental health problems that they're trying to address? Um, I'm Nick Kendrew and you can find me on Twitter at Nick Kendrew. That's N-I-K-K-E-N-D-I-W. And until next time, take care and look after yourselves. Goodbye. <laughs>